it's good to be with you again, but I would want to add that I was a little taken aback by the comment that this is the last time I'll be preaching here. Boy, I hope not. <laughs> I'm just going away for a year, you know. And Jenna will require a holiday once in a while when she gets back to work. So, But I know it was well meant, but just to clarify, I'd like to come back sometime. I've enjoyed this very much. We're going to read together the uh, gospel, <clears throat> the good news about Pentecost. From Acts chapter 2, the first 21 verses. And we read, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, ah, they've had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness, the moon to blood, before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, everyone, who calls on the name of the Lord, will be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Pentecost congregation is all about power. Lech Walesa, leader of the Polish solidarity movement that unseated Soviet power in Poland in the 1980s, loved to tell this little story about power. There were four people stuck together in the same compartment on a train traveling across the Polish countryside. A young woman, an elderly woman, a solidarity worker, and a Soviet soldier. Along the way, the train went through a tunnel in the mountains. For some moments, 
It got so dark in their compartment, no one could see anything. And in those moments, two things happened. First, there was the sound of a passionate kiss. Immediately following that, there was the sound of the hand slapping a face. When the train came out of the tunnel, all four people had smiles on their faces. The old woman said to herself, I'm proud of that young girl. One of those men got fresh with her, and she clobbered him. The young woman thought, this is funny. One of those men wanted to kiss me, but he kissed that old woman instead, and she slapped him a good one. The soldier said to himself, this just isn't my day. That fellow kissed a pretty girl, and she slapped me by mistake. The solidarity worker smiled and said to himself, ah, that was a good one. I kissed it back in my hand, gave that soldier a good smack upside his head, and I got away with it. <laughs> the humor of the story, you understand, is that it has to do with power to turn things upside down. A powerless solidarity worker makes a fool of a powerful Soviet soldier and two vulnerable women each feel good about the power they think the other has. Power. Power is at the heart of the Feast of Pentecost we remember and celebrate today. The power of God's Holy Spirit unleashed on Pentecost to turn everything, including your lives and mine, upside down in order to turn everything right side up. This is what Jesus told his disciples before he ascended into heaven. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. It had been ten days since Jesus had returned to heaven. Ten days of praying and wondering what they were going to do without him when suddenly they heard a holy hurricane headed their way. Before they could defend themselves, that mighty wind had blown through the entire house, striking sparks that burst into flames above their heads, with every one of them filled to the gills with the breath of God. And then it was as though something just clamped down on them, and their breath came out in languages they didn't even know they knew. They set up such a racket that in no time they began to draw a crowd. People from all over who were in Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost began gathering around, surprised to hear someone speaking their own language so far from home. Parthians stuck their heads to the door, expecting to see other Parthians, Elamites, looked around for other Elamites, Libyans expected to find other Libyans, but what they all saw instead were this motley group of Galileans going on and on about God's mighty acts like a bunch of PhDs in Middle Eastern languages. And before the day was over, the church had grown from 120 to more than 3,000 souls. Shy people had become bold. Scared people had become brave. Lost people had found a sure sense of direction. Disciples 
who had not believed themselves capable of tying their own sandals without Jesus around, discovered abilities within themselves they never knew they had. When they opened their mouths to speak, they sounded like Jesus. When they laid their hands on the sick, it was as though Jesus himself had touched those six folks. In short order, they were doing things they had never seen anybody but Jesus do. And there was no explanation for it, except that the Holy Spirit had entered into them the same way he had entered into Mary, the mother of Jesus, and for the same reason. It was time for God to be born, not in one body this time, but in a body of believers who would receive the breath of life from their Lord and using their own bodies, pass that life on. The rest of the book of Acts is the story of their adventures. In the first four books of the New Testament, we hear the good news of what God did through Jesus Christ. In Acts, we learn the good news of what God did through the Holy Spirit by performing artificial resuscitation on a room full of well-intentioned bumblers and turning them into a force that changed the history of the world. How? By transforming especially their gift of speech. The power of the Holy Spirit, you see, is above all the power to be Jesus' witnesses. It is the power to speak about Jesus. I don't know if even today we really appreciate that fact. When we think of the Holy Spirit coming, we so often think of the miracles that took place, the sound of a wind, the tongues of fire. But the Bible just mentions these briefly, and then ignores them. The gift you and I get on Pentecost is the one gift both we and the world most desperately need. The gift of something life-giving to say. A word to speak in the brokenness and tragedy of the world that is unlike any other word. When the Spirit was given the church stood up and it spoke. It moved from silence to sound and the whole world heard the good news in its own languages. Peter explained it to those confused Parthians, Medes, Elamites, Libyans, and all the rest like this. This, he says, is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. That is, your sons and your daughters will have a word to speak. Namely, that life is stronger than death. That hope is deeper than despair, that every tear will be dried, and that in the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, death and pain will one day be no more. That word 
is our gift to speak. Pentecost is the fulfillment of Joel's prophecy. God's Holy Spirit is unleashed on all God's people. Unlike too many of God's people past and sadly present, the Holy Spirit is no respecter of persons. Gone is any age barrier. Joel's prophecy mentioned young men who see visions, old men who dream dreams. Gone is any gender barrier. Daughters and women will prophesy along men and sons. Gone is every possible human barrier you could name as God's Spirit includes and calls all God's people in his mission of declaring the wonders of God in whatever strategic position he places them. It begins with Peter, who just 53 days earlier, even when given three opportunities, had been unable to find in himself the words to even say, yes, I was with Jesus. But here he is, out in the street, preaching to the crowds. This is the one outstanding, lasting message conveyed through the spectacular events of Pentecost. The power given to all God's people, to everyone here, to speak good news. I know it's not easy. I preached for a living, and though I'm not as nervous as when I first began, I still won't eat very much for breakfast if I'm preaching live on a Sunday morning. The fact is, the majority of people, according to every survey I've ever read, fear public speaking even more than they fear death, which some of you will remember led Jerry Seinfeld once to comment, this means that the average person, if you go to a funeral, you're better off in the casket than doing the eulogy. Not sure you take it to that extreme. But it is frightening to speak in front of a crowd. I know it. And when the speaking is about God, it's even more frightening. I need all the help I can get, and so do you. So do you, yeah. Because don't think, well, you're the preacher, we are the congregation, right? Wrong. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people, and they, you, will prophesy. Martin Luther put it like this. Everyone, by virtue of baptism, is called to preach. All baptized Christians are expected to speak the gospel to their neighbors, to testify to the mighty works of God, to tell people about Jesus. The thing is, on Sunday morning, we cannot all possibly speak at the same time and be understood. So some of the baptized are designated to speak on Sunday morning to equip the rest of us to speak about Jesus Monday to Saturday. The preacher preaches, why? So that the congregation may preach. The simple truth of Pentecost is this. If you are a Christian, you are called to bear witness to testify to the hope that is within you, to tell people about Jesus. And I know that is easier for me to do here on Sunday morning 
and harder for you when tomorrow you get into your classroom or you go to your workplace or you sit with someone over a kitchen table or speak to someone over the backyard fence. When I speak in church or at a wedding or at a funeral, I am protected by my office, by who I am. I am a pastor. So to speak about God is my job. It is expected of me also by unbelievers and atheists who accept it from me. Once I get outside of here, though, once you get outside these walls, that protection is gone. But the Holy Spirit is not. The Holy Spirit is not. So what might that power to speak look like for you? Then I think, for example, of a young woman whose good friend deliberately forsook her marriage vows for no other reason than that she was bored. She was unfaithful. She left her husband and family and moved in with another man. Rather than say, well, it's none of my business, she sat down and she wrote her friend a letter because she loved her and she loved God's truth, even if that truth was unpleasant or painful. So she told her friend she was disappointed in her, that what she had done was wrong. She had broken her marriage vows. She had broken her trust with those who had put their trust in her. Writing that letter took guts. It took empowerment by the Holy Spirit. So go ahead. Speak. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you. I think of an older woman who found a fellow employee she did not know very well in a corner by the filing cabinet one Monday morning crying. She asked if she could help, if anything was wrong. He confided in her that he told his parents that past weekend that he was gay. And his parents screamed at him, said that he had broken their hearts, and told them never to set foot in their house again as long as he had those kinds of feelings. And she reached out to him, and she put her arm around him, and she said to him, I'm really sorry that happened to you. Your parents probably love you, but they just don't know how to love you in this moment. I am a Christian, and we certainly don't feel this way about you. God loves you as a treasured creation. Please know that, remember that, and cling to that, she said. And how would an ordinary human being be able to say something that courageous and comforting? Because the Spirit of the Lord is upon you to speak. I think of a young man whose friend was terribly depressed. He could understand the reasons for her depression. She'd gotten back a poor set of grades from her first semester at grad school. A relationship she'd been in for over a year had ended. He urged her to get professional help. But he also said this. I guess we've never talked about religion or spirituality, but I want you to know that I believe in Jesus Christ. And I believe that he is more than an idea. He is a presence. I know he loves you very much because he has helped me through so many crises in my life. And I believe he can help you through these crises. Would you like to pray together? 
And she did. And she said that the prayer helped. That you helped. The amazing thing is, this was the first time he had ever talked to anybody about his faith so freely and so simply. What happened? The Spirit of the Lord is upon you to speak. When Dr. Elizabeth Cooper Ross was writing her well-known book, became famous on death and dying, part of her research involved interviewing dying patients in the hospital, trying to find out how they felt and thought as they faced the prospect of death. As she went from room to room, she noticed a significant pattern. Sometimes she would go into a dying person's room, and the person would be calm, at peace. She also began to notice that this was often after the patient's room had been cleaned by a certain hospital orderly. And so one day, Dr. Ross ran into this orderly in the hospital hallway, and she asked her, what are you doing with my patients? Well, the orderly thought she was about to be reprimanded and became a little defensive. Well, I'm not doing anything with your patients. No, 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 Dr. Ross replied. It's a good thing. After you go into their rooms, they seem at peace. What are you doing with my patients? The orderly said, I just talked to them. You know, I've had two babies of my own die on my lap. But God never abandoned me. I tell them that. I tell them that they are not alone. That God is with them. That they don't have to be afraid. There is the gift at Pentecost. A word to speak in the brokenness and tragedy of the world. A word of good news. A word of hope that is unlike any other word. Some of us are convinced, I suspect, that you don't have what it takes in spite of Joel's prophecy, which says that God's Spirit is poured out on all people. But what you and I have, as I have discovered personally, time and again in some of the most difficult situations I could have imagined when I first became a pastor, that is not the point. It was not Peter's sermon that cut to people's hearts. It was the power of the Holy Spirit in those words. The Spirit who, as one of our confession puts it, went before them and with them, who goes before us and with us, convincing the world of sin and pleading the cause of Christ. If the Spirit could accomplish such mighty things with some uneducated fishermen who were as human and timid and fearful as any one of us can be, then in spite of our stumbling words, even if it is only having boldness enough to invite someone, hey, how about coming along to worship with us this Sunday? The Spirit can do it through you and me too. That is his mission after all. So let us do ours in his strength and let him do his through my weakness.
let me leave you with a sort of fun thought. For further reflection and incentive, perhaps, to speak as the Spirit of Christ gives you to speak, each in our own way. Maybe you've heard this before, and you can do the math yourself at home later. You'll see what I mean. By far the greatest evangelist of our time was the late Billy Graham. Now, you are no Billy Graham any more than I am Billy Graham. But if you were, if you went to Bible college, you were trained as Billy's replacement, and you were used by God to bring 10,000 people to Christ every year, you'd have a wonderful mission in life. But working on your own, given our present estimated world population of 7.8 billion people, you would have to live more than 780,000 years to see every human being in the world bow to the Lord Jesus. But if you and I shared with one person this year the witness of your relationship with Jesus Christ, and that person became a Christian, and then each of you shared the witness of your experience of God's grace the following year with one other person, and so on, after 10 years, there would be more than 1,000 new Christians. After another 10 years, there would be more than 1 million new Christians. After 30 years, you can do the math, more than 1 billion. And within the number of years that Jesus lived on earth, 33, given the present population of our world, every single person on earth would know Jesus Christ. So may the flame of the Holy Spirit be spread through you and through me. Always be ready to give an account for the faith that is within you. Preach in whatever shape and form the Spirit of God opens up for you. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you and within you. All of you, everyone who believes to speak good news to all. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. God of wind and flame, blow into our lives afresh this day. Ignite the fire of hope. Fan the flames of possibility. Transform us into a people who share your love with the world in pain. A people who proclaim your hope into a world given to despair. A people who live as though the world can and will be changed into the kingdom that is to come. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Willoughby Church Sermon Podcast. The Willoughby Church Podcast Network also has podcasts about discipleship, the Heidelberg Catechism, and even a podcast hosted by some of the youth. You can find out more about the Willoughby Church Podcast Network by going to willoughbychurch.com.